1: TC Live on a Tuesday night in Big D, one of five hot venues around the globe from the far-flung deserts of Abu Dhabi to the plodding clay courts of Argentina to the friendly confines of SMU here in Dallas. We've got it all covered for you on this Tuesday. Coming up on our show, the comeback continues for Naomi Osaka, but could she overcome a motivated American who's been to a Grand Slam final herself? Chris Umex brought his big serve to Big D, but at 6'7", He was still looking up at the Dallas royalty who came to cheer for him today. And they say that the only constant in life is change. And for Holger Runa, there's a lot of it. The latest departure from his camp coming up, all that and more on our show. As we say hi once again from our Tennis Channel Studios, TC Live on the air on a Tuesday night with Jimmy Arias over there and Mark Petschy over there. I'm Brett Haber, and once again, we start our show with some breaking coaching carousel news, and that is that the world number seven, Holger Rune, has parted company with his Hall of Fame coach, Boris Becker, after just four months together, this on the heels of him splitting last week with his other coach, Severin Luti, the longtime Roger Federer team member. They had only been together for two months. Petch, these are very short tenures with very established coaches. What do we make of all this?
2: I mean, he's losing coaches quicker than I am hair follicles. I mean, I I don't really understand. I don't really understand what's going on here. He does have Kenneth Carlson still in in his camp, so he still does have a coach at the moment. But one of the weirdest things about the whole thing is that I don't have enough time to commit to the project, which is what Severin and Boris have both suddenly come out and said. If you've ever been in this situation where you've gone to coach a player, one of the first conversations you have is, much time do you have to give? So I don't know if everyone's trying to cover up for another underlying reason,
1: yes. which is what it feels like. So do we take that at face value, or is that just the thing that you say when something else is going on? That's
3: what it feels like to me. It has to you, be. Brett. You don't need to say that's what it feels like. That's the thing that you say when it's something else. I mean, let's just go ahead and throw it right out there. That's what that. Pull is. the pen out of it. But what's mean? happening for me is holger Volgarunith wants to be number one in the world. He wants it right now this moment, and all of a sudden things have gotten a little more difficult for him. And he's searching for somebody to give him the answers. It's never his fault. It's got to be someone else's fault. And this is not just Runa. This is all tennis players that I'm talking about. What's strange is normally when you have this coaching carousel, you sort of do it at the end of the season before – this is suddenly we're all doing it in the first couple Early of weeks February. of the year.
1: Look how happy they were in late December when they took the team photo back in Monte Carlo. There was mom and there was Holger and there's Boris and Sevi and the physio. But watch as they quickly disappear. And so we asked the question, who now fills the role? Because as you mentioned, Kenneth Carlson is still there. There was more Toglu who was part of the situation, but now he's got his own complications. His childhood coach, Lars Christian, where does he go?
2: Yeah, well, I think that is a great question. Where does he go? I don't know. I mean, obviously, Severin loved Boris as a player. That was one of his favorite players. I don't quite – because so it seemed like the perfect fit because everyone was going to get on because that's also, you know, what you're looking to try and guard against is a clash of personalities. Um, I, I, honestly, you, you can't have two – better people, really, in terms of a, an, an IQ for tennis, where, where is he going to go from here? I, uh, Jimmy Harris will be the guy. He's, 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 got, a, he's got a high nah, IQ. He's going to Mars.
1: No, he's not. I'm, I'm, I'm he's- <laughs> the, the one thing that's an X factor, and we, we don't know how much this did or didn't play into it, but Boris, with his recent legal problems, was not with Runa in Australia. How much his passport limitations keep him out of certain countries is, is unclear to us.
2: I, I think that's a very fair point. Of course, that is going to be a problem going forward for Boris. You know, I don't know what the situation here in the US in terms of, obviously, the rules having you know got that record on it now, but the reality is for Boris that that is going to be a part of the problem for him if he does want to go coaching, because... The there's at least probably two majors where he's going to struggle to get to, so that is going to limit people wanting to hire him.
1: All right, we'll see Runa in Rotterdam next week. Will be very interesting to see who shows up in the player box. So with that as our lead story, let's get into the highlights on this Tuesday, and we start in Abu Dhabi. The comeback continues for Naomi Osaka, third event back from the maternity leave. But she ran into American Danielle Collins.
3: No, and through the first 10 games, the servers were absolutely dominant in this. And then all of a sudden, in that 11th game, Collins found a way to make some returns. She lost only a handful of points, Osaka, in her first five service games. But once Collins found that break of serve, she had a little bit of trouble closing it out but still got through at 7-5 and the second set was completely different as it was one-way traffic throughout danielle collins served better than she has served all year long or for the last few years and osaka as the match wore on sort of stopped the movement and it went quickly
1: it's been a bunch of tough draws for danielle collins between kerber and chiantek in australia now another grand slam champion she talked to monica Puig about that in the last two tournaments here in the Australian Open, I had to play uh, Grand Slam champion in the first round, second round, and here. So, um, yeah, I, I knew what to expect against Naomi,
2: and um, I know she's been out for a little while, um, so still coming back. But, uh, yeah, I just had to kind of uh, lean into my tactics and rely on that and, and play
1: my game here. So, uh Collins happy Naomi Osaka just one win in the three events back and I I asked this question realizing that we are probably not the right panel to talk about coming back from the maternity leave. <laughs> but just the same. Should we, should, should we have a little more patience with Naomi? Because Absolutely. our expectations are high.
2: Yeah, I think so as well. And having sort of watched her play and looking at the kind of people that she's played in this comeback, it is very tricky for her at the moment. Garcia in Melbourne takes your time away. And having sat there live, watched the match, I felt as though it was one of Garcia's best performances that she can play. And when she's at that high progressive, Daniel Collins, she says, I, I need to lean into my tactic. Does she do anything other than lean in? She just leans in for stop. And so when she does, I think that's a very tough transition for Naomi at this stage of her comeback, personally.
3: Yeah. Having said that, Naomi, when she was at her best, leaned in better than anybody else. She was hitting the ball bigger and moving better than the opponents that she was facing. So she still has a ways to go, obviously. And you need to get some matches under your belt. And she's playing events where she's not having that opportunity. Players that are Very good players that have big weapons. That's who she's gone against.
1: By the way, you know how Collins was talking about the tough draws, all the grand slam champions she's played? Guess who she gets next? (laughs) yeah. Have fun. Uh, Let's (laughs) show you some other highlights from Abu Dhabi. The upset of the day, courtesy of uh, Britain's Heather Watson over the world number 16 Veronica Kudermatov.
2: Yeah, supposed to play Ostapenko, of course. Ostapenko won in as so it was wise to take the week off. Absolutely, so change of plan, but still a very tough opponent for Heather. But Heather has uh, actually, in the last few weeks, I've been watching her play. She played a bit mixed down with uh, Joe Salisbury in Melbourne, and and I thought she was hitting the ball well. She looks as fit as she has done for a long time. Uh, She's got confidence coming through quality qualifying matches under her belt uh, just looks re-energized and, and that's something obviously she needs because part of her strength is moving well being balanced she does a lot of great work off that two-hander the forehand at times can be a little bit of a liability but she returns well and I think she picked up the fifth best win of her career so I'm super happy for her she's been a down in the doldrums a little bit on the single score but this could just be the kind of pivot point at this stage of her career that she absolutely needs look at that smile she's got one of those matches smiles out there on the tour.
1: She got ripped off when the points from Wimbledon didn't count in 2022. She made the round of 16. Her first top 20 win in two years. Let's stay with the Brits as we head to Marseille. The great man Andy Murray looking for his first win of the year against the 23-year-old Czech Tomas Mahatch.
2: Yeah, look at this backhand Uh, coming up here. I think this is uh, the one that, uh, yeah, I mean, when you ever see Andy hit that, I've never seen him hit a backhand so badly. I know there's been a lot of work on the serve. Andy's trying to change it a little bit. The ball tosses got lower, he's further into the court, but if I'm being honest, having sat and watched this match today, the biggest problem was that he's not the same threat from the back of the court in terms of not missing, just knuckling down. And I think that was the biggest problem. He talked about how he's winning all these practice sets. He never was a great practice set winner. It never mattered mm. to him. He turned it on on the competitive environment. At the moment, Brett, he's just not able to do that. And he's just doubting himself. And obviously, at the moment, going back and playing a few challenges, scoring some wins is probably the right play. He did that last year, and
1: it bore fruit for him. Drops to 0-4 on the new year. Still defending a final in a couple of weeks in Doha. But he won't get wild cards if he doesn't defend those points, but still he'd like to. Let's move on to Dallas. The men indoors at SMU, Tennis Sandgren, the American, got through qualifying, but he ran into the 19-year-old from California, Jimmy, Alex Mickelson. Alex Mickelson has a little
3: Jensen Brooksby to his style when you see the slice backhand and the court coverage. Even though he doesn't look as though he's rocket fast, he covers the court. Well, he anticipates beautifully. He has an all round game, serves big for a 19-year-old and mentally is very strong. Tennis, Sandgren, it's been about three years since he's won a match on tour. And he looked like he might break the streak in the second set the way he played early in the third set. However, I don't know if it was this point, but he was scrambling. They had a couple of tough games early in the third set. And all of a sudden, Sandgren, his back started bothering him. And once that happened, he really didn't have much of a fight left, and Nicholson took full advantage. All right, so
1: this is on the heels of Nicholson making a run to the third round in Australia, one of just three teenagers in the top 100 at the moment. He's going to meet Big Foe in round two. How about another All-American showdown? Stevie Johnson with Princess Elsa in the crowd, taking on Chris Eubanks. Oh, they
3: couldn't freeze anything from Eubanks for Stevie Johnson. Oh, Johnson so oh,
1: let it, let it uh, yeah. play on song.
3: Let, let, it, let go. it go. Let it go, yeah. Let it, it go. And Eubanks was letting it go from both wings, forehand, backhand, and there. serve. And Dirk Nowitzki, Dallas Maverick, star in the house. And Chris Eubanks knew about it, didn't make him play nervously. As from the back of the court, Eubanks always had a big serve. He then developed a big forehand. He now even has a big backhand. He rips the backhand off both wings. He's dangerous. He did have some options, some... Uh, Chances Stevie Johnson to break serve at that 4-3 game. Once he didn't convert, we looked at that interest in the next
1: couple of games, especially with that slice back in and big serving to end it for you, Banks. Ten aces for Banks. Even more impressively, he won all but two of his second serve points in the match. And yes, he was aware that Dirk was watching.
4: A legend sitting over there in the corner in Dirk Nowitzki.
0: Uh, Definitely, because the thing is, he's not just a basketball legend, he knows his tennis. He has a pretty good one-e
3: himself, so uh, when I missed a few one-handers, I had to kind of make sure I didn't look over there. Hopefully, he wouldn't be shaking his head and saying, I would have made that. Uh, But no, it's always fun when you look up. Last year, when I played, I think uh, Coach Avery Johnson, former coach of the Mavs, sat right across, and I saw him, and I was like, wow. That's Coach Johnson. So to see Dirk here was pretty cool. Brought the kids out, and I was able to throw a ball over there at the end. So uh, thanks, you guys, for coming. Hopefully I'll see you out here later this week.
1: You know, Chris is going to make an excellent commentator when he finishes. Oh, no, wait a minute. He (laughs) is an excellent commentator. Chris has had a, a really big week, right? He just got back from Lithuania, made his Davis Cup debut for Team USA, won his singles match, helped Team USA get back into the final. You both have lived that moment for your country's that has to imbue you with a very special feeling.
2: Absolutely. There's no question. I think, you know, the first time that you go over and you play those kind of competitions, you know, you suddenly, for that moment, you're not playing for yourself. You're playing for all your teammates, people that you've perhaps grown up with and you've fought for in the past and fought against in the past, and then suddenly you're playing Davis Cup. So great for Chris, but not easy to have all the time changes from Melbourne over to Lithuania, then over to Dallas, to then put your best tennis on the court. So credit for him to get past Stevie today.
3: One thing that's interesting with Eubanks to me is we were talking earlier today about one handed backhands and how poorly they return serve. Chris Eubanks' return of serve on the backhand has gotten awfully good. And he takes full rips. Full rips and from in and he connects nicely. And maybe it helps that he's six seven, I don't know. But Look and as far as playing for your country, do you think it helped him at all that he was a college player first, so he has had that feeling at least that he's played for not just himself but for a team?
2: yeah, i think, it's a, I, think it's a, I think it's a valid point. The returns have got better as well because he and Ruin have spent an awful lot of time practicing them as well. They know that that's an area that needs to get better, and it is.
1: All right, uh, it'll be Banks against James Duckworth, the Aussie, in round two. We've got a lot more to get to on tonight's edition of TC Live. We'll have highlights from the other venues around the globe. Uh, We know that Ben Shelton hangs up the phone on a lot of people, but will he hang up if the NBA comes calling? Plus, Tennis Channel's celebration of Black History Month continues with a tribute to Wimbledon finalists and all-around good dude Mal Washington. That and much more when TC Live continues.
4: Olympian, Grand Slam finalist, and a leading figure in welcoming new faces to the sport of tennis. Malibé Washington has made a tremendous impact on the game. He competed for 10 years on the ATP tour, winning four titles. A member of the 1996 US Olympic team, in the same year, he also reached the Wimbledon final. The last African-American man to reach a Grand Slam final. That same year, he founded the Malabye Washington Youth Foundation in Jacksonville, Florida with the goal of introducing tennis to urban youth. The foundation grew into a comprehensive after-school development program, offering summer camps, tennis instruction, college and career prep, and mental health counseling. Since the program's inception, Malabye Washington Youth Foundation has raised over $1.4 million for college scholarships and reached over 20,000 children. With his students boasting an incredible 100% on-time graduation rate, Malavi Washington's impact can be measured far beyond his tour success, opening doors for underserved youth and providing them a pathway to succeed on and off the court.
1: Thanks to Nick Monroe for that. As Nick mentioned, Mal's been running the Mal Washington Youth Foundation in Florida for more than 20 years now, promoting after-school and summer development programs for Jacksonville's urban core. We tip the cap to Mal for his long-term commitment to the kids of his community. You can see all of our Black History Month tribute features at any time on TennisChannel.com. Our celebration continues on TC Live tomorrow. When we come back tonight, American Sebi Korda decided against playing at home this week. He took his talents to Marseille instead. We'll see if that was a good decision when we come back. Back on TC Live, and we are now just four weeks away from returning to tennis paradise, the biggest stars in the game. We'll return to that Gorgeous venue and lift that rather heavy trophy at the end. It's Tennis Channel's exclusive coverage of the BNP Paribas Open at Indian Wells beginning Wednesday, March 6th, part of our swing into spring. Let's get to some more highlights back at the 250 in Marseille. American Sebi Korda opting for France this week instead of home soil in Dallas. He opened against a Frenchman, Hugo Grenier.
2: Yeah, and it was a big win for him as well. Of course, Brett, he didn't play after the Australian Open last year because of the wrist problems that he had. He only came back on the clay in Madrid and Rome, so he's got a great opportunity to put points on the board. Uh, but he was under pressure, as you can see, in this particular match as it went on. Grenier started to find a little bit of form here, and it looked as though perhaps Corda was just starting to unravel. And it was a, a big start to the third set for the Frenchman, who went up an early break. But Credit to Sebi, stuck with him, didn't get too far behind in the count and was able to figure out a way to get himself back into it and the backhand down the line, the shot that is so secure was just a big moment for him. But when you know that there's an opportunity to get yourself back into the seedings for the majors coming up just around the corner, these are the kind of matches that actually are those milestone wins. And of course, the the extra garnish was it's a hundredth win for him.
1: Congrats to Sebi Corda for reaching that milestone. Just two hours and eight minutes, which is pretty short for a third set breaker. As we head to Cordoba, the clay on the golden swing. And Diego Schwartzman needed some home cooking, but he was playing another Argentine. Roman Burachaga making his tour debut. Did not see this coming, did you, Jimmy? Uh,
3: well, yes and no, because Diego Schwartzman has not been Diego Schwartzman now no. for over a year. And the first set, he really didn't look like himself. Burachaga. In his first match, wins the set easily 6-1, and up a break late in the second, but then Schwartzman started doing what he can do, putting a lot of balls in play, making hit winners in tight situations, and Burrachanga wasn't able to get that done in the second set, fell apart slightly, and then you thought, okay, now it's Diego Schwartzman's match. He's come back from a set and a breakdown, he had been playing horribly, his game started getting better, but you gotta give some credit to Burrachanga. he got right back to work with the help of unforced errors and broken rackets from Diego Schwartzman. This is the Cordoba All-Argentine Open. Almost every match is Argentines against... 13
1: Argentines. Almost all Argentines against against
3: each other. And it took quite a few match points, but in the end, Borchaga got it done.
1: 22-year-old gets his first tour win in his first tour match. Tough one for Schwartzman as we show you some headlines from around the tennis world today. We've got to congratulate Australia's Arena Rodianova for playing the long game. And we mean really long game. At the age of 34 this week, she becomes the oldest player in history to make her debut in the top 100 on the WTA computer. How about we tip the hat to Arena Rodino? I mean, I,
3: it's amazing that someone is going to hang in there that long to wait to get to the top hundred. My, do tip my hat to her.
2: Yeah, and also credit to her as well because I thought she was a little unlucky not to get a wild card into the Australian Open as well. What back. was that about? Well, there's a little bit of yeah, a little bit of stuff behind the scenes there. I think uh, being firing off a little bit. Not, so, a, yeah. not a
1: favorite of TA, is she? Well, congrats to her. She had a big sister Anastasia who played for a long time on tour. And the other note down there, we congratulate Anastasia Sevastova, who was a... He- way for two years on a maternity leave for coming back and beating Me Too and her comeback to the tour tonight. Let's do a little social net for the Tuesday. You know how we say that most tennis players would be really good at whatever sport they decided to play? Here's Ben Shelton proving that at the Mavericks Arena across town tonight, throwing down dunks all over the place. This guy's a job. Did they lower the net
3: slightly <laughs> for him to make it nine and a half? No, he's 6'4 and an athlete. I'm not surprised that we're seeing that, that dunk. I would have liked to have seen between the legs and then dunk, something like that. You, you do that. And he was a great I quarterback can, as well, right? I mean, you he, can he do definitely everything. has an amazing arm. There's yeah. no question about that when you see his serve.
1: Well, maybe he has some eligibility left for the Gators because I think they're like sixth in the SEC right now, so we could probably use him. But uh, Ben Shelton is good That will not be hanging up the phone, if the NBA calls. These are our scheduling notes for tomorrow. We start with the women at both locations, Abu Dhabi and Cluj in Romania at 4 a.m. Eastern, then indoors in France, then to the Golden Swing, then Dallas and TC Live at midnight will be on almost continuously all week long. Well, I can't. Hot shot of the day. Jimmy, you're so excited that you were jumping the gun. This is Michael Moe and Emilio Emiliano.
3: I really was jumping the gun. I did get excited because anytime you get to see a tweener and then the point continues. That almost never happens. The point continues. Stab, volley, and we're going to see another tweener. No not quite able to get to that final shot, but he gave it
1: his best. So Michael Moe wins the hot shot point of the day, and he wins the match. And he will play Ben Shelton in round two in Dallas. As we look ahead to our feature matches on Wednesday, replay, get out of here. Maria Sakkari plays her first match since the early loss in Australia. Radakanu and Jabur. That should be very interesting. Felix Ojeda in his happy place indoors on a hard court in Marseille, and. A bunch of Americans on the docket in Dallas, including the two-seed Tommy Paul. Let's dig into a couple of those matches, and we'll start in Abu Dhabi with that ons Jabur match. Patch, we know how well Radakanu handles pace, very, very well. How's she going to handle the variety of Ansjeber?
2: Uh good question, and I'm I'm interested to see. I actually think Emma goes into that match as a favorite. I know she's never beaten a top tenner, but and that may surprise people. I, I mean, obviously, An struggled in Australia. She has looked a little bit sort of under the weather all the way since that heartbreaking loss at Wimbledon as well. Emma, to me, looked great in her opening round. She's got nothing to lose. There's no pressure on. We see how well she plays when she's got that freedom. But the drop shots are going to be interesting, Fred. It hasn't always been a forte of Emma. She can get there, but what she can do when she gets there is going to be interesting. But I I think it's it's going to be one to watch. I've, I've got Emma... Got Emma winning the match.
1: The X factor may be all the crowd support that Anz Jabur is yep. going to get in Abu Dhabi and these next three events in the Arabian Peninsula. She missed all those events last year. Ben Shelton tomorrow against Michael Moe. Ben is 16 in the world. He's got nothing to defend until the U.S. Open. How does he not make the top 10 this year?
3: I was saying the same thing earlier today in the booth. He's he's going to make the top 10 and he's going to make it sometime. The one caveat is that there's a lot of clay in his one pointers that he was getting or zero pointers he was getting through the years through the spring. And that might happen again. He's still not a clay court player, but he didn't do well on grass either. And and there seems to be no way he's going to be stopped on the grass
2: this year. Yeah, listen, I think it's an interesting time for Ben, though, because he's still looking to kind of find his optimum game, whether that sits with where he sits on the return, how much does he serve and volley behind that first serve. You know, that's all the things that him and Brian were doing in the offseason. We're looking to find a way that's actually going to get him to win these majors and be a consistent threat. So as much as I agree with what you're saying there, Jimmy, that he's he's going to probably get there, there will still be this little period where they're still trying to work out what is Ben's best way of beating the these opponents like Alcaraz, like Sinner, you know, because he's not going to play them from the back of the court consistently. So that may be something that takes a little bit of time, which may need a few early losses here.
1: And, and let's not forget Michael Moe in this match. He's coming yep. off a quarterfinal last week in Montpellier. He's obviously playing some good ball. That is going to put a wrap on our show for this Tuesday night for Jimmy and Mark and our entire Tennis Channel team. I'm Brett. Make sure you join us bright and early 4 a.m. start as we cover the tennis around the globe on day three of this blockbuster center court week. <laughs> back.